0: Welcome to Rain City Supercars. I'm Dan. I'm Nick. And we're back. We're back. We're another week. Another week. Another week older. <laughs> so at- much more wiser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> we're coming at you recording live at Drivers Club, brought to you by Avance, Carter Subaru, Haggerty, and Rainier Beer. How's your weekend? You know, it was good. I saw you most of it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Dan and I have, well, we haven't, I, mean,
1: should, I, I was going to say the word drifted apart, but like, our lives have sort of pulled us in a different direction. We actually spent this weekend. We hung out this weekend. It was great. Like we, uh, uh, a good friend of ours, actually Doug from Drivers Club, gave us some uh, some elk meat that yep. I had, actually that was good. That was, it was really good. good. And a servite and good. a sear and I had some hamburgers. Yeah, thanks, some elk Doug. Burgers. By the way, thanks, Doug. <laughs> you fed a lot of hungry people. So, yeah, it was it was really good. Uh, you cooked it. Spectacular! I had fun doing that. Actually, apparently we yeah. need to make it into tacos. That's that's the thing. Yeah, I'm doing that next.
0: Elk tacos. I was not aware that was a thing. So, <laughs> yes. Who knew? We went up to uh, Salish Lodge. Uh, former <laughs> guest of ours, Chris. Man, we got to give that guy a shout out every time we're up there because the service there okay. is phenomenal. Absolutely, and it's funny because I was talking to Chris. A lot of people after his
1: episode came to us and was like, "I didn't even know that was up there." Like, there's so many people. We had a good friend of uh, Amy was with us, a good friend of ours, um, who had never been there, and she grew up here. Yeah, never so went, it it was a lot of fun. Um food was spectacular as um, always. And if you don't know, if you ever go there with Dan, they have their own honeybees and so there's a lot of honey in things and so they have little bees on the menu. Next to <laughs> everything know. they serve with honey. <laughs> and so you can look at the menu and that's what that oh, means. They talk about. What it, was in the Okay, so we had the we had the the grilled cheese. What was How was there honey in that? Was it on the bread? Uh on the, yeah, it's like was it, like butter and honey oh, on, the glazed yeah, on the bread. Oh, on the bread. Okay. Super right, good. Yeah. Cuz you kept talking about it and I couldn't taste it. But and I tasted it at the end. It's fine. That sounded weird. I apologize. So, no, it was a, it was a nice. It was a, it was a nice time when up there. Uh, the falls
0: were just ripping. So it was kind of cool. Yeah, I took our one nice day of sun to wash the car, which then it immediately rained later. But it was you know. You got you got that that little little bit of layer dirt off of there, and then, you know. I'm laughing. So I posted this link on Facebook the other day. I got this Dewalt 60 volt. Uh, it's a, it's a leaf blower. It's all it is. It's yeah. a blower, right? And I use it mainly to uh, blow off water from the car and like to get it behind the mirrors and all that. After I'm done, this thing is a miniature jet engine. Cool. I had the uh, the older one, the smaller one before, and I thought that thing was a lot. This thing is it. It, it has a really high pitch whine, and it's so much overkill, and I love it. <laughs> The question is, if we if we happen to find a dolly, could
1: we propel ourselves up your driveway with that? I don't think we go up the driveway, <laughs> but I powered? like where your mind's I see, at. Oh, that's that's only where my mind is. Like, oh, you have a leaf blower? <laughs> if, idea. If we all got one. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, just, how many leaf blowers can we strap to one guy before something
0: bad happens? I feel like Amanda would win that. She's really yeah, small. Well, that's fine. We can send them in. Yeah. <laughs> but she we'll, could do p- we'll put her on one of those circle <laughs> chairs. Yeah.
1: Like, <laughs> We've all been there where you looked at a floor buffer and went, I can ride it. Anyway, I not your Carter Subaru yeah. tip yeah.
0: of the week, but if you have a really good leaf blower, it's a great way to get water off your car before you do the initial wipe down with a proper not terry cloth towel. Don't ever use a terry cloth towel. But yeah. Anyway. I still,
1: I still love those towels from Costco. Oh, yeah. Those, yeah those, I mean, time. they're great. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Anyway, should we welcome our guests this what? week?
1: Oh, sure. <laughs> he keeps staring at us. I don't know. <laughs> Why am I here? Yes. <laughs> they keep talking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so
0: many people say that to us. <laughs> Jay Galati, welcome to the show. It's,
2: uh, you're long overdue. Um, it's great to have you. Oh, thank you for having me. I don't feel long overdue, but <laughs> I'm glad to be here.
1: You look marvelous.
2: Oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean, you
1: know. Uh, if you if you're around the Pacific Northwest and anywhere near the Porsche Club, you know Jay.
2: Yes, <laughs> he's very involved in everything. Yeah, I, well i I still feel bad that I took so long to join the club. Actually, because um, i had my I had my Porsche for almost seven years before I joined the club. But then when I joined the club, I just got in with both feet. And sure, just got really involved and you know. committed. Yeah, yeah, and it's been a great uh, almost well over ten years now. Wow. So. Yeah, it's been, it's been really fun. Yeah,
0: and you are, um, you know, the Porsche thing is, it's funny how many people, we always joke, how many people here have a Porsches because it's, Horses are so prevalent in the Pacific Northwest for yeah. good reason, though they're great cars for the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. But you are—you've yeah. um, written a book. You're an author. You're a musician. Uh, your book is Golf 917. And if you haven't yes. seen this book, it would double as a weapon in like if you were playing <laughs> Clue, it'd be like with the Golf 917 book yeah. because <laughs> it is the authoritative source on everything Golf 917, and it is an impressive work. Oh, thank you. Um, I can't even imagine the time you put into creating such a masterpiece.
2: Well, yeah, I mean it's—it's it's, you have to look at it in two. Ways one is, um, I actually I um, retired from the corporate world at the end of 2016, so I sat down to do the book project January 3rd, 2017. But you don't just you know start from nothing, and uh, I had been saving and collecting the information going all the way back to when I was in college. I mean, I bought my copy of John Wyer's book when i was a freshman in college in 1982 so that's really where it started where i started learning all the information collecting all the information every scrap i could get my hands on and then of course when the internet became a thing you know we started connecting with people around the world a little bit and connect, you know collecting scraps of information here and there especially about the chassis histories cuz that's what something that people obsess over yeah. in in the 917 world and in other With other cars, so it's. um, But so the project itself started on January third, twenty seventeen. But it's been almost a lifetime of saving and learning the information, collecting and and loving. Yeah, absolutely. of
1: Of the of this, I mean, iconic Porsche. I mean, there's no other way to put that.
2: Yeah, I, and it's and I actually talk about that word in my uh, introduction to the book because I think that word gets overused a little bit, but it probably it probably does apply uh, to the golf cars if you really look at the definition. And, um, you know, every, everybody loves them, and I love them too. And nobody had done a, a – there's been lots of books about the 917. Over 20 – close to 25, I think, is what I counted when I started mine. But um, – but no one had done it from the golf perspective, from the British perspective. And because I had made some connections with John who is who was the, um, the chief engineer for the uh, John Wire golf racing team, uh, I thought we could do a good job, you know, uh, of telling the story from the golf perspective and really focusing on the cars that, that the golf team used. And, uh, you yeah, know, it's worked
1: out pretty well. It's... The closest Dan and I have ever gotten to one was a, a really nice replica down at the Arizona Jet Center event. It yeah. was, I mean, but <laughs> obviously you know how hard it is to find these, let alone yeah. get time with them.
2: Well, one of the reasons I, I also, another reason why I thought I could do this book is because I thought we had a chance of networking to a good number of the owners of these particular cars just because, again, through John Horstman and a couple of my other connections, I thought you know, um, we could we could get close to, you know, being in contact with uh, most of the owners. And that actually worked out really well. I didn't think I was I'm that good at networking, okay. but I guess I'm better than I thought because we, <laughs> we did actually get to work with and talk with um, almost all of the owners or their representatives uh, about their cars. This has
1: got to be 12 so. pounds of networking here, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least 12 pounds. I mean, you know, like I said, this is this will hold your coffee table
2: down. <laughs> <I'll tell> yeah, <you. laughs> we didn't. I, I'm glad it's not any bigger because I really wanted it. And and we actually actually talked about this with the designer of the book, um, and we didn't want it to be any bigger than that because I want people to be able to hold it in their lap and actually read it. Yeah, because <laughs> I my, agree. My publisher told me, you know, a lot of people are not going to read your book. Um, they're just going to buy it. They're going to look at the pictures, and then it's going to go on the shelf or it's going to go on a coffee table. And I was like, okay, that's great. But hopefully some of the people will actually read it. So I wanted it to be that size not any bigger than that size. <laughs> I think the places I have seen it, nobody wanted me to touch it,
1: you know, because I have grubby hands. But uh, ah, well.
2: <laughs> well, you're welcome <laughs> to touch. Yeah, this. I know. It's,
1: yeah. it's, it's it's nice. Like I said, I've been looking through it here while we're, we're talking. And it's just the I, I mean, I mean, it's always a joke. But, you know, pic, uh, picture books have always been my thing. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but The photos in it are incredible. Well, thank you. I'm, like that's.
2: Thank you for saying that. And I I will say that it was a tremendous amount of work sourcing the photos and selecting the photos and, you know, working out deals. You know, we we traded the book itself for the rights to use certain photos, like from amateur photographers who had Mm -hmm. just taken snapshots back in the day, good snapshots. And we would approach them and say, hey, you know, we'll trade you a copy of the book if you let us use your photo. How'd
1: you like to be a published photographer? Yeah. <laughs>
2: and that worked out really well. A few of these guys who took photos back in the day at the races actually then went on to become professional photographers, sure. which is I found really interesting. And then, of course, Porsche, I have to say a great deal of thanks to Porsche because Without Porsche's archive of photos, uh, we could not have done this book. So working with Porsche's archive in Germany was really key. And, um, and then John Horstman, I, who I mentioned, who opened his archive to us, um, he saved his race data sheets oh. from back in the day. He still has them. And I was down there on Halloween of 2017, actually. I'll never forget because it was on Halloween. Uh, I was down there in Tucson uh, to visit with John and kind of go through a lot of my questions, but also we then scanned his original race data sheet. And they're like almost like onion skin. There's very thin, you know, these delicate pieces of paper that we very carefully and they're lightweight p- for racing. <laughs> yeah. <Sure>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like two pieces of paper taped together and put in a loose leaf notebook, and it's it's Dang. an English size format. Anyway, we scanned those and we present a really good selection of those in the book. So if people want to geek out on suspension settings and um, uh, gear ratios, all the technical information for each car for each race was saved. Uh, his secretary would type these sheets up when he came back from the races, and they're they're really I think they're really cool to see. And only one of them had ever been p- published in any other books. So. That's really cool. yeah how often do you go to Wikipedia and correct people and make changes? <laughs> I, 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 we, I don't do that on Wikipedia per se, but we do that on, on Facebook. yeah we have a group on Facebook which is called Porsche 917 The Legend uh-huh. and it has over 10,000 uh, followers. Oh wow. and there's a fair amount of um, and I very gen- we try to be very gentle with the newbies. You know, and, um, you're wrong. Get off here. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it's we, anger. Yeah. We try to be as polite as we can. Those of us who have a little more expertise, but that's a really fun group. And I've found out a lot of information through the group and through some of my contacts in the group that ended up being, um, in the book or kind of helping validate stuff in the book. Yeah. So. Well, the book is one thing. That's a I think that's probably how a lot of people
0: may know your name. But uh, like I said, we're a car show about people, and I really want to explore more of you, yeah. the musician side of you, <laughs> the uh, the work you did up until this point. And it, looking yeah. at the size of the book, I'm actually genuinely surprised you did it in such a short amount of time. I know, I mean, mm. put it together even because I know yeah. you said it was a lifetime of work to get to that point. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I have a lot of friends who
2: publish books, and it takes years to get a book together, let alone one so good. Yeah. Well, it helps if you're working. Th- Full time on it, which yeah. <laughs> is, which is what I did. I mean, I when I retired from the corporate world, I sort of made a commitment that I was going to sit down and do this project, and I worked on it pretty much full time. Um, I had the first draft done in about six months, and that at that point it was about seventy-five thousand words. Um, now keep in mind too, and this goes back to the Porsche Club connection. I had written probably 40 or so articles for the Spiel, which is our Pacific Northwest yeah. region. Great magazine. Magazine. So up, it's not like I was sitting down to start writing about cars for the first time. <laughs> right, yeah. I
1: think I want to be an author.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah no, we, I've, you, I've seen you have extensive history in magazine articles. And if, there's a few I've actually gone through and I'm like, oh, I've read that. And I didn't realize it was you. Um, but you know what? Yeah. It's, it's time for our first break. Good. So let's take, we'll take our first break and talk about the Carter Subaru tip of the week. And then we'll be right back. Well, in our Carter Subaru Tip of the Week, I thought I would cover many, many tips this time. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say things like that to me, but okay. Sorry. <laughs> what tips are you covering, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was going through like our, our winter prep episode again uh, as the weather keeps fluctuating here, and I'm like, I've done a lot of winter tips. And I was like, you know what? I should do like a bullet point list of all the things that kind of happen when things get cold, because it's more than you think. And a lot of people don't think about a lot of uh, very specific things. Um, We've talked about winter tires being more for snow, but I wanted to get into that more. Um, So on average, the average non-winter tire, and this will vary from tire to tire, but at about 45 degrees, tires start to lose their elasticity. And if you're doing a lot of extensive driving and below 45 degrees, that's actually a really good reason to get winter tires. Uh, it's not because you're driving on compact snow and ice. It's because your compound gets so hard when it gets cold that you lose that braking distance, acceleration, Didn't that grip. Didn't Blake tell us about this a little bit? He did, yeah, yeah. but it's a, I've got a few other ones here, too. Um, your washer fluid, depending on your ratio, yeah, it does start to freeze, guess what, at freezing. Uh, <laughs> if you don't Weird. have your proper, your ratio right. But most of them, the good ones, are good down to either 0 Fahrenheit or negative 20. Go with a negative 20. I always get the stuff with RainX in it. It makes me feel like I'm doing something better. (laughs) I'm probably not. (laughs) Um, Battery, cold cranking amps. So funny thing about batteries, this is one of the stupidest things because America and metrics, and they just don't play along. You know what cold cranking amps are rated app? Not freezing. (laughs) Interesting. They're rated at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Not 32, which Interesting. makes no sense on any scale whatsoever. No. But that's when you're cold cranking, hamps are. But they lose up to half their starting capability at that point. Can so the water in, in your battery freeze? No. Well, I mean, I guess technically if it was anything cold enough, but I don't know what that would be it. yet. I don't know. Yeah, I was just, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, 50-50 mixed on an antifreeze. Um, you guys are we're all safe here in the pacific northwest that doesn't start to freeze till negative 36 degrees fahrenheit so unless you're traveling to jasper which i have been in below negative 40 and they told me there was a sign a flashing sign as i to jasper do not turn off your car if you're if you have not prepped your antifreeze it literally was flashing on the side of the highway because at negative 40 it would have frozen i go to negative 32 and then after that i stop Yep. And then um so fun fact, so this is the one I wanted to bring home. This better be fun. It's not. Okay. It was just a poor <laughs> use of the words. <laughs> okay. But uh tires and air. So basically for every ten degrees of drop you lose one pound of air. Okay. Um, and so at uh it doesn't really matter what temperature. If you raise your if you fill your tires at hundred degrees Fahrenheit at ninety degrees, they're a pound lower. Okay. Almost every car, every modern car, is on the driver's side door in the panel. Yeah. I'll tell you what the recommended pressures are for your tire. Okay. And that is based on the ability to expand and contract. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. Um, and then oil. Uh, so this is another a quick one. Oil gains viscosity as it gets colder. It doesn't lose it. Um, and so anything, oil gains viscosity below a 20 weight and 10 weight gain below negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit. And by that you mean it gets thicker. Yes. Okay and then uh, then 5 weight uh, below negative 30, and 0 weight below negative 40. So it takes a lot of temperature to impact your oil. Uh, hope they're are, writing this down. This I'm, is I'm SAE losing, standards. Yeah. Any, anyway, um, yeah, so there's uh, many little quick tips for you guys if you want to know. I wanted to just throw them all in one because I didn't figure they had just – they didn't cover a dedicated tech tip. But, hey, there's some winter tech tips for you, some stuff you may not have known. Yeah, So now you know. And we
1: are back with Jay Galati. Jay, uh, like Dan said, we're a car show about people, so we always like to get to know, you know where this bug you, you, we all have oh, came yeah. from. You yeah. know, did, growing up, were you a were you typical car guy, a car kid?
2: Yeah, you could say I was born into it okay. pretty much. My dad's a car guy, and um, when I was about two years old, my dad got out of the Air Force, and he went to work in a Volkswagen dealership. Okay. So I pretty much grew up around a Volkswagen. It was a Volkswagen Audi dealership. Pre-Porsche. Ha- yeah. Well, they, Volkswagen, <laughs> then you go Porsche. No. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have Porsche uh, in the dealership, but of course, Volkswagen of America at that time was the distributor for Porsche, mm-hmm. and so a lot of the Porsche literature would always be around uh, my dad's office, and there's always been a very close relationship between Porsche and Volkswagen, as I'm sure you know, so... Um, There's that part of it, and then there's, of course, that Steve McQueen guy caused a lot of the trouble for all all of us who grew up in the 70s. (laughs) I'm sure that name will catch on Sunday. uh, Yeah. means nothing now. Yeah, yeah, that's part of (laughs) it. I I have a memory of seeing uh, his Le Mans film the first time it was shown on television in the U.S. I haven't been able to actually pinpoint the date on that, but I probably would have been eight or nine years old, something like that. Um, So that made a big impression. Uh,
1: if you haven't seen I mean, that movie, go watch that movie. yeah <laughs> it's yeah, it's pretty movie. much yeah.
2: it's pretty much mandatory. We yeah. love it of course <laughs> you know it's it we're so fortunate that he made it at that time because it becomes a documentary of these cars that I love and that a lot of people love. And of course, it's all analog. It's all real. There's nothing fake about it. Um, so it's it's really fun to watch from that point of view.
1: Yeah, and if you can find about like the making, like watching them strap those cameras to those cars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot
2: <laughs> really of a lot of pictures on that. There's been a couple good books yeah. uh, and uh, at least one or two really good documentaries about the making of that movie. So um, yeah, it's fun.
1: So I mean. You, growing up, obviously, your father working in a Volkswagen dealership. Were you, did, you, did you have a car at 16? Were you, were you wrenching yeah. on it? Were you that kind of kid?
2: I was not wrenching on it. I've never been a wrench. Okay. <laughs> but my dad, um, my first car was a white 68 Volkswagen Beetle that my father um, got, got running for me. Um, it was kind of a Herbie because yeah. it was white. And then, uh, for some reason, I don't even remember why. But when I became when I was a senior in high school, for some reason, he didn't want me driving the white one anymore. I don't know if it was getting worn out or what. So he put together a blue one. It's kind of a it was like that light blue color, kind of almost gulf blue. And it was like um, it was a car that had been. He actually put two cars together. Okay. So he had a, like a '72 Beetle that had been in an engine fire. And then he had like a 73 Beetle that had been crashed in the front. So we got the engine from one and put it in the other and got it all together. And it was, it was a really nice, um, you know, 72 slash 73, I think, uh, blue Beetle. And then I drove that all through my senior year in high school and all through college. So that was, uh, that's the car that I really kind of have a, a soft spot for, uh, the blue one um
1: they're great cars
2: yeah and that car was so reliable i grew up in danbury connecticut and i went to college in Storrs, connecticut university of connecticut and it was cold in the winter and uh but my beetle never failed to start uh never had a problem i mean the uh left front suspension fell apart while i was driving it um (laughs) it caught fire caught on fire while i was driving it at one point but Oh, you should have
1: known that it was built out of one that caught on fire. So <laughs> <know>. yeah, <laughs> yeah. You yeah. had maybe a Volkswagen that, that caught on fire. That's <laughs> so rare. <laughs> yeah, but
2: actually, the, it wasn't the engine that caught on fire. It was actually the wiring harness. <laughs> um, <laughs> that you know, where the wiring harness runs through the heater boxes <laughs> on the driver's side. There, that's where. It shorted out, and this so is the old house.
0: heat exchanger setups.
2: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah.
0: they're very prone to catch fire. With the heat exchanger setup. Yeah, yeah. that was a crazy. <laughs> they didn't exchange was, enough heat, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. was a
2: crazy story because I was I was going out uh, with my girlfriend on a Friday night, and all of a sudden, you know, smoke is kind of pouring into the to the um, cabin. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I turn into this little side street, and I run up to this lady's house. I practically like knock her over to get into her house. And she had like a half uh, pl- of a plastic milk jug that I filled with water, and I ran out to the car and I doused it with water. And then I look up, and not even a quarter mile up the street is a volunteer firehouse. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I could have had them take, take care well, of
0: it. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It could know. have gone worse. They grabbed a full fire hose to your car. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. They might have overdone it. End but. up with a wet car, wet date. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not a fun Friday night. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no i like that i i obviously uh i loved that car and you know had a had a good time with it and if I had space I suppose I'd have another beetle maybe but uh but I've got an air cooled nine eleven so i was going say kind of yeah. you know i I do, have an, I do have an <laughs> air cooled i do have an air cooled car in the garage so that uh that kind of takes care of it
1: when did your love for porsche start i mean
2: Really, well, with with the Steve McQueen film, I think that was part of it. And then in high school, you know, I got more and more interested in Porsche. And sports car racing specifically, you know, that was a an era when Porsche was so big in sports car racing. And um, the first sports car race I went to was at Lime Rock in 79. I saw Peter Gregg win in his ninth, his famous 935 um, in 79 at Lime Rock. So that was a, a big event. Um, you know, for my Porsche experience. And then um, my dad, we did, we went, for some reason, we went down to the Porsche dealer in Fairfield, Connecticut, when I was probably, um, like, pretty new driver. I was probably still a sophomore or a junior in high school. And one of the salesmen let me and my father take out a 911 SC. So I would have been maybe wow. 16 or 17 years old. And that was my first time driving a Porsche, and I mean that was it. I would say that would
0: have been life changing at sixteen. I'm sure yeah. some great cars
1: came out of that dealership. Being in Connecticut and, <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, there were a couple Porsche dealerships uh, in Connecticut actually, but um, yeah, that was you know, and it was a short drive. I mean, it was not a long drive, but it made a big impression on me. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, you, when did you buy your first Porsche?
2: Bought my first Porsche in 2001. Actually, bought it on eBay. Believe it or not. Which was in, 2000, eBay. In, in 2001, that was a little bit of a radical move on my part. But it's kind of a special car, a very special color combination. And I thought to myself at the time, I'm never going to find another one. And that's why I was willing to, you know, take the chance on it. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it worked out. I used the proxy bidding system. And there was a guy frantically trying to outbid me at the last minute. He was going <laughs> up in like $100 increments but then the clock ran out and I and I ended up getting it but it's a it's an 8532 Carrera in Prussian blue which is a special order color and it's got a tan interior i've only ever seen one other Prussian blue with tan so um so that's really kind of become part of the family now and cool. of course being on eBay there was stuff wrong with it and i would never buy a car that way again probably but we've we've fixed it up and um, you know, we've done some things to it over the years to, you know, to make it run and drive a little bit better. Yeah. Um and it's not a super great, you know, condition car, but it's a really good driver. It's really fun. I take it to the track. Uh there's been a couple times I think when I've been like the only air cooled car out on the track in a, a Porsche Club track day, but um but it's really fun to drive and it's challenging. And uh it's it's good for the slow car fast. Yes, concept. that's way more fun. You know, so I'm kind of into this slow, you know, driving a slow car fast um, thing. Um, Not that there's anything wrong with today's modern supercars. I love them. I think they're amazing. Um, And probably I'd love to try a couple of them at the track myself. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But for riding around, you know, normal roads, normal speeds, uh, something like an air-cooled 911 can still be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, well, Doug here obviously tracks his, his air-cooled 911, and there's quite a few Drivers Club members that are big air club, air-cooled club, owners that love and track their cars. Yeah, it's, that's great. It's, kinda, it's cool. They're coming back, actually. I've seen a lot of, uh, I think, I probably started... Getting back into it with uh, Magnus Walker when he started uh, mm-hmm. kind of making them back into fame and doing something a little different, whether you liked it or not, it was good for the uh, the air-cooled image. And then we're starting to see the, the 993s come around. Like, I still really want a, a 993 C4S. It's like, that's still on my list.
2: Oh, yeah. I remember when we first moved to Seattle in 97, and we were in temporary housing downtown Seattle. And in the parking garage, there was a, a guy had a silver c4s seven that i would see every day and i just thought man that is the cat's meow but um and and the values of those cars of course support that they're really desirable yeah but uh, yeah i love them
1: did you know that jay here was almost once run over by Nikki lauder in the pits (laughs) i heard about that oh (laughs) that's a great story actually
2: yeah Yeah, and we lost Nikki last year unfortunately he was he was Quite a guy. Quite a. That's what you get car. for
1: trying to run over Jay in a pit. Yeah. Oh. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. That was the Canadian Grand Prix in '82, and he was kind of barging through the paddock in his rental car, and almost <laughs> almost took me out. But uh, and he was a great partner of Porsche. There's some there's some really cool footage of him when Porsche designed the uh, the TAG Formula One engine. There's some great f- uh, footage of him with Hans Metzger at Weissach testing the McLaren, the first McLaren with the TAG uh, Formula One engine. It's really cool to see those two guys working together. And, of course, I can't understand what they're saying because they're talking in German, but it's pretty (laughs) cool.
1: He was a man of many talents, to yeah. say the least. Yeah, yeah. And I think he's the only guy that really took on Enzo Ferrari and told him his su- his car sucked. But uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: well, yeah, that's that's <laughs> what they say. Yeah. And uh, I just finished reading actually uh, Brock Yates' biography of uh, of Enzo Ferrari, which is pretty cool. And there's a fair amount in there about the relationship between Lauda and Ferrari,
1: mutual respect. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well. So, I mean, you have a love for Porsche, obviously. Where did the love of the Golf 917 or the 917 come to the point where you decided to start collecting data? Because you obviously have been planning to do this book for quite a long time.
2: Yeah, for for a few years. um, It comes from the movie, for sure. You know, the movie made such an impression on me. Um, That's where the specific, you know, interest in the 917 and the Golf cars. The other thing that happened is along about the early 1990s, I sort of had an epiphany. If you can call it that, where I realized I was not one of these guys. You know, some of the guys can memorize everything about every car, all the stats and all the production numbers and all you know, all the stuff. Yeah, it's oh. Dan. I'm, I'm laughing. <laughs> are, you, are you? that <laughs> Dan's guy? Dan's one of those guys. Yeah. yeah. If I find yeah. a car, I'm, I'm really, yeah.
0: really into. I tend to overdo it with learning everything yeah. I about it. Yeah.
2: Well, see, I kind of I realized I just wasn't going to retain that much information. But I decided, I said, okay, well, the 917 is my favorite car, so I'll just try to learn as much as I can about that one car and really become an expert in that one car and that period in motorsport history. And so that was, like I said, that was about the early 1990s, and that took the pressure off me because then I didn't have to learn, like, you know, the horsepower stats for every nine, every generation of every 911 or whatever. And, um, and so it, it's worked out because, um, you know, it's led me to be in a position where I could actually think about doing a book like this and, um, and I, you know, I enjoy being able to go really deep on that one particular car in that particular era motorsport. I of was going to say, sport.
0: one of the best things I've found about the book is the little side stories I get as you're, as you're explaining oh. different parts of the car. There's there's a lot to take in reading the book, and I yeah. flip through it and I love it because it's just it's so much information. It's so fun to read through.
2: Yeah, we're I'm, we're, I'm really big on sidebars. Yeah. I really like I not, love the sidebars. not interrupting the narr- the main narrative with information that might be considered extraneous, but I also hate to lose the interesting stuff that maybe doesn't fit in the narrative directly, and so um, I worked really hard with our my designer. Actually, it's my publisher, Dalton Watson Fine Books. Their primary book designer is a gal by the name of Jody Ellis, who lives right here, actually in Bothell, which made it great for me to do this book,
0: Small World, <laughs> do my first
2: book with someone I could actually meet with and work with in person. And Jody and I worked really well together. And um, I think she's also a fan of the sidebar concept, and she came up with the graphic, you know, design for the sidebar that um, I think works pretty well. And
0: no, I love it. It's an ADD dream come true because I I have a hard time if if I think about another thought midway, I tend to want to think on it, and so I can just jump over real quick and we read a little more, and then jump right back. I love it. It's yeah. a really really easy layout for a book that's so extensive, which is. A, that in itself is hard to yeah. do, and so there's, i got to give them some credit. There
2: is a lot of detail in the book because it ended up being 95,000 words yeah. after the first draft was at 75. Um, so it ended up being 95,000 words, so there's a lot in there. Because it is chassis by chassis, race by race, history, and I brought together a lot of detail from a lot of other sources. Um, but it's, it's a good book. I mean, I recommend people read at most one chapter at a time and maybe just one race at a time. Yeah. You know? And that's really, I think, the best way to read it.
1: I'm sitting here while you guys are talking, and I'm just flipping the books, and I'm reading about chassis 16, and I'm looking oh. at your race data sheets from the, 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 that you got from 1971, where they, I mean, they were maxing out at 216. Um, but they were they were noticing <laughs> in here that the, the the 1971 front wheel arch configuration increased max speed by 50 RPMs, 1.3 miles an hour. Yeah. So you know from 215, to, I'm, it's <clears> just <throat> incredible. Like that's one of the things I have. I I, have, I really I'm realizing I had opened this book before, and I'm not sure where, but because mm-hmm. I'm seeing these race sheets, it's incredible the stuff that they took, the notes they took. Yeah. And and the just the little, you know the little tweaks here and there to make these cars. It's incredible information. Yeah, so
2: chassis 16 is one of my favorites. Um, it actually That's why I opened the book to it. Yeah, yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, 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 it's actually one of yeah. everybody's yeah. i mean favorites. It's the only one that I've actually sat in. I actually got to sit in that particular car when I went to visit it in Indianapolis this past year, and I did an article for Vintage Motorsport Magazine on how they prep it for vintage racing because chassis sixteen is the last original nine seventeen that is still being vintage raced anywhere in the world. The other ones that are being vintage raced are fully restored cars right. basically. Yeah. Whereas chassis sixteen is still uh mostly original and uh, Chris McAllister, who owns it, still vintage races it, and um,
1: I can't imagine going 215 now with some of the cars, let alone back then.
2: Yeah, now Chris doesn't go that fast. No, I'm just, <laughs> but I mean, it, obviously
1: the car was capable of it in oh. its day. Is that's my point? Oh, and they just, did then, yeah,
0: and, the old
2: yeah, Nurburgring straight. And the yeah, long, yeah. the long tail 917s went even faster than that. So that's um, one of
1: the things I love about Le Mans and the Nurburgring. Is it the Nurburgring Nürburgr- straight?
2: No, you're thinking of the Mulsanne straight. The Mulsanne straight and the fact yeah. that, yeah,
1: I mean. A lot of people don't realize this because they see it today, but back in the day, it, it still had a was. Curve. It had a curve, and that was a public road. Yeah, <laughs> like, that wasn't like they, they turned it into a racetrack for the weekend kind of thing. Right, for, that's the main well, for twenty-four hours at least. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's
2: the main highway that runs from Lille to Tours yeah. in France, and it's about three, little over three miles in 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 full throttle for three miles. Yeah, which you never see anywhere in racing. Even back then, you didn't see yeah. that. Um, and you certainly don't see it now, but, um, I went to Le Mans once in 1985 and, um, that was a pretty special experience also to actually be there and see the race. And, and it was before they'd done any real renovations, So everything's looked like it looked in the movie pretty much.
1: Uh, um, it's uh, Dan, it's on Dan and I's bucket list to get there. It's just finding the time. And yeah. yeah. Somebody it's, to pay for it. It's an <laughs> <a, laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's yeah.
2: quite an experience. I was able yeah. to do it, you know, as a, on the really low budget plan as a college student. Back in the day, you could do that pretty well, and um, it was it was an amazing experience. Not a real exciting race, but it was an amazing experience just being there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you, you may have said it before we started. You, you know, watching those on on TV is more exciting because when you're in, sitting in, in one place, the cars are only coming by and every four go. minutes or whatever. And there yeah. And yeah, there they go. Yeah, there they go. Yeah, and at
2: Le Mans, it, it it like I said, the year I was there it happened to be not a real competitive race. Um, the race was over basically. You know the the ultimate winning car. Um, you know took the lead at like uh, I want to say about eight hours into the race. So that left about sixteen hours of you know. Here it he comes again. Yeah, <laughs> circulating. Of course, you never know what could happen. I mean, anything can happen. But um, yeah, it was it was really fun being there. I'm glad I did it. How did you get into writing? In general, like, I have you always, always been a writer? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I was always a really good student in English class and, you know, always looking to write whatever I could. Um, and, of course, being a songwriter, of course, that's writing also. Yeah, I was going to tra- yeah. transition to that so, as well. Yeah, being a songwriter, that's that's just another kind of writing. Um, but I've always, always enjoyed writing, always been pretty good at it. Um, did really well in English class when I was uh, a kid. And then um, when I joined the Porsche Club, as I said, one of the first things I did was starting writing some historical features for the spiel because I thought that was something I could do and do pretty well. And so I got a lot of practice, you know, doing those like 40 articles or so that I did before I ever wrote the book or before I had any published articles in magazines, um, in in professional magazines, which I've now, you know, I've had five or six of those now, which has been really fun. Um, to write on a national level, um, you know, I've really enjoyed doing that. I've had a couple in Panorama, um, Vintage Motorsport, as I said. I've got one coming out soon, like this week, in Forza, which is the Ferrari magazine, so that's my first Ferrari.
1: uh, Ooh, crossing the the lines (laughs) of the dark side. Yeah,
2: yeah. but being of Italian heritage, I've always loved Ferraris. As much as I love Porsches, I've also loved Ferraris, and I always rooted for Ferrari in Formula One, you know, as we were saying before, I mean I grew up as a as a Ferrari Formula One fan, um, and Gilles Villeneuve was my great hero, so um so I I love Ferraris just as much as Porsche's. Nice.
1: So Jay, I, a question that I I actually don't know. I've I only know you for the book. What did you do in in your in your life? What in real life? Yes, in real life. In <laughs> real life. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, Outside of this radio land that yeah. we live in. Yeah.
2: Well, I was an old fashioned company man. Actually, okay. I d- I did corporate relocation and mobility okay. for just about thirty years. Um, Very cool. And I worked for the same. Basically, the company I worked for was was bought or sold eight times. So I worked for eight or so different corporate entities without changing jobs, which Very is nice. pretty interesting. And then um, the last twenty years of my career, I was a vendor at Microsoft because the company I worked for um, administered the corporate relocation program for Microsoft. So that's what I did from when we moved to Seattle in ninety-seven uh, until the end of twenty-sixteen.
1: Interesting, yeah. I, yes. I only know you from the book and we and thought. from and Porsche Club events, but yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. It yeah. was it was a. Certainly a, a challenging and rewarding career. Um, rarely boring. Yeah. Um, often challenging, and um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Certainly paid a few bills uh, over the years. And at my last, put a la- Porsche in your garage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my last job, I was the operations manager for the team, so I had a team of about forty people reporting to me that were responsible for doing um, the day-to-day administration of my and Microsoft. You know does. Um, well over 5,000 relocations in a typical year. So it's a big, yeah. it's a big job. And, wow! Um, and Microsoft is uh, w- always very interesting environment to be in. Um, it's probably more interesting if you have a blue badge, but. Um, being a vendor at Microsoft gives you a certain perspective that I also enjoyed. You and want to quote on that, Dan? No. Being a blue badge? No yeah. comment. No comment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the record is for longest time as a vendor at Microsoft. I probably am, you know, I'm sure I'm not the record holder, but I'm, I must be up there pretty pretty close at, at almost 20 years. Three, three, three months short of 20 years. Thanks. Always
0: looking for that blue badge, Yeah. <laughs> I never, never got the blue badge, but yeah. that's okay. I want to talk to you more about the musician side of you, because that's a huge yeah. side of you and a really big part of you. I know, I know you, um, you do like a video of the week I've heard of and I've enjoyed. Well, I, mean, I
2: post on Facebook. Yeah, I do my song of the week for people who follow me on, on Facebook, which is kind of fun. And it's fun. A lot of the car guys are musicians. Like, I didn't know Byron Sanborn yeah. um, until he was on your show. I had no idea Byron was a musician. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my God, because, you know, Byron actually was very helpful to me with the book. He's a cool guy. Uh, and the sidebar on how you start the 917, which is, you know, just get in and turn the key in the 917. And all that information pretty much came from Byron because, of course, he's been taking care of uh, one of our special golf cars for, oh, gosh, he's gone on almost 30 years taking care of his very special uh, car that he takes care of. But anyway, yeah, m- music... Um, started playing the guitar when I was 15, started writing songs pretty much around the same time when I was 15 or 16. And um, that's been a hobby pretty much all my life and uh, have enjoyed it a lot. Um, when uh, probably in the early, early 2000s, um, I started working with my vocal coach and co-producer, uh, Emily McIntosh, who I'll give a shout out to. Emily is, I always say she's the best singer in Seattle. Um, Really good vocal coach, really good uh, producer, and she likes making records as much as I do. So um, we made a lot of really good records together. Now, not many people have heard our records, unfortunately, but um, you know a but lot. But they of, exist. They, they, do, they exactly. do exist, yeah. and I you like guys doing it, Who cares? You yeah. guys are going to get some copies for free because, of course, nobody pays for music anymore. Everybody thinks music should be free <laughs> now, and so that's that's kind of. Oh, I know a lot is, of
1: musicians that think music should be free. Yeah, right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, by you know, a lot of
2: nuts. <laughs> putting all their heart and soul <laughs> yeah. and passion yeah. into these things. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I mean, we, people of a certain age, we grew up in a different era when you actually had to buy music. And buying music was like a big deal, it was like a ritual, yeah. you know, and you really had to think about, okay, which, you know, which album am I going to spend my 10 bucks on or whatever but uh but yeah anyway it's it's uh it's been really fun it it probably goes to my soul even more than the cars do i mean it's kind of a close neck and neck thing but um it's it's a form of expression that i've always enjoyed and
1: what so type of music do you do cuz i actually haven't heard any of your music
2: yeah it's it's basically it's hard to describe actually in a way but i mean in simple terms if i just said guitar rock mm-hmm. That'd be pretty good, but I but I take a pretty eclectic approach, so I kind of go all over the place. The Beatles' White Album is kind of my model, okay, in a way, because when I heard that as a as a teenager, I thought, oh wow, you can do that. You can go from, you know, the Beatles' White Album is a double album where no two songs are even hardly in the same genre. You know, it's kind of all over the place, but that's what I liked about it. So I've tried to be pretty eclectic in my music for the for the most part. But it's basically guitar guitar based pop and that's rock. That's a
0: great way to describe it though, because like of <laughs> the a, a white album. It's like Well, yeah, it's funny, yeah. I was laughing because you were you were you were making a joke about uh about learning the drums and, and that oh, yeah. and the first thing that popped into my head was that quote from the Beatles about them saying that Ringo's not even the best drummer in <laughs> the big Beatles. <laughs> in the Beatles, <laughs> that's <laughs> not, <Yeah>. no, <laughs> yeah. that's
2: not true. So that so something you should know is I'm a bit of a Beatleologist or Mm -hmm. Beatles historian so I know a lot about the Beatles and I've studied them really closely Um, so they've been been a huge influence on me. I'm a second generation Beatles fan yeah, because my parents actually had some of the records and my mom took us to see Beatlemania on Broadway in about 1978 Uh so I'm sort of like a second generation Beatles fan and then talk about the one man band for a second in 1980 Paul McCartney came out with uh, an album called McCartney two solo album where he played all the instruments. Oh, and that's, I said, Oh, you mean you can do that? You can play all the instruments. And that's what kind of got the wheels turning uh. in my head uh, at a certain point to say, Oh, some people can. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can do, well, he can obviously Yeah. better, way better than me. Um, but anyway, it's, it's, it's a really fun hobby. And, um, you know I've enjoyed doing it and I do have some um I think I have 3 or 4 of my records that are available on cdbaby.com so if you guys don't know about cdbaby it's in a way the world's largest record company uh, because it's it's open to all the independent musicians around the world who can sell their wares um either digitally or in physical product through cdbaby.com and um so you can download my music um from CD Baby and uh, find all kinds of other amazing stuff out there from independent artists.
1: Nice. Um, one thing I want to touch on, and I, I want to get away from the a commercial real quickly, but a lot of people don't know this, and I don't want to give away too much information, but one of these golf cars, like you said, lives in this area. Yes. Oh, yeah. And you have spent time with that car. I mean, yeah, this yeah. <laughs> and that's it, it's, it's another t- like that's one of the reasons why Dan and I started this, well not that car but you know in the fact of this area being so rich with cars oh, and the fact that amazing. Such a rare car. Yeah. Is in this area. And it's which chapter, is really neat.
2: It's chapter ten in my book. Yes. Yeah. That's that's
1: <laughs> that was where I was gonna go with that. Like, yeah. So if you get the book, definitely read chapter ten about that car because for that's
2: the Seattle people, yeah, yeah, that's our local car that we're very fortunate <laughs> and, and we get to see Just it. Just our and, local golf car. Yeah, yeah, we get to see it every once in a while yeah. and it comes out to events every once in a while. Yeah. And uh, it may be coming out to an event this summer that okay. we should talk about.
0: Okay. All right. Let's take
2: a quick break. When we come
0: back, we'll talk about that event, uh, what's coming up in advance, and a few other things. We will be right back.
1: We spend an average of eight hours and 41 minutes a day facing screens. Laptops, smartphones, tablets, even digital refrigerators. But what are we really connected to? Isn't it time you connected to something greater? Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. Moment of Escape was created by Hagerty. For people who love cars.
0: And we're back. We were talking on the break a little bit about uh, summer coming up, because pretty much winter comes here all at once, and then just leaves, and it just rains until spring. We're kind of in that phase. It's nice after the 4th of July-ish.
2: <laughs> Depends. Yeah.
1: Um, we were actually kind of talking about bucket lists uh, off... Uh, yeah, almost said off-camera. <laughs> no. Yeah, But... Um, there's a few things coming up this year in Monterey that uh, people have bucket lists that you wanted to kind of chat about. Yeah, things so, that are happening.
2: yeah so Pebble Beach, Concours d'Elegance, uh, I just want to get in a, a little pitch, and I can give you a little background. As I, While I was doing my book, um, I had this idea that, you know, we really should try to get the 917s for Pebble Beach because they did such a good job in 2016 with the GT40s, and that was the 50th anniversary of Ford's first win at Lamar. Yes. And um, and so I got think got to thinking, well, you know, we should have equal time for our nine seventeens. And I was kind of sneaking around the wo- sneaking around the weeds, talking to a few people about it. And I talked to, you know, like Derek Bell and he said, well of course we have to have the greatest just, just Derek Bell. Yeah. 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 He's
0: great I met him. Yeah,
2: exactly.
1: <laughs> um, Did you drop that name on the floor? Hold on, let me pick that up <laughs> <laughs> for <first>. you. <laughs>
2: well I, I talked to him for my no, book. Oh of course. Yeah. And of course yeah. he was here for an event in twenty eighteen. And, um, so, you know, and he said, well, of course we have to have the greatest sports car at, at Pebble beach. But then, uh, around, uh, let's see, oh gosh, I can't even remember. It was toward the end of 2018. I guess I, I, said to myself, why am I sneaking around the weeds? Why don't I just go through the front door? And so I wrote a letter, um, and I got an email back from Sandra Button, who's the chairperson of, uh, Pebble beach Concours. A very nice email came back saying, yes, you know, we think it's a good idea. We've been considering it etc etc and then last summer um things got a little more serious and they asked me to be on the subcommittee um which helps the selection committee um gather uh applications for cars to be on the field at pebble beach so i've been working with ken gross who you might know that name Mm -hmm. uh ken's of Famous automotive author, journalist. Sanders just sitting there thinking, if somebody only would write a book with all the chassis
1: numbers that knew where everything was, <laughs> if, if that yeah, only existed. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So Ken Gross and Paul Hageman, um, who writes for Sports Car Market and is a well known car guy, son of Peter Hageman, who's a famous Seattle car guy. So Paul and Ken and I are kind of like the subcommittee that got the initial information together with our wish list of you know, uh, which cars we think would be great for Pebble Beach. And I can't talk about the specifics, but I can say that I think we're going to have a really good class for the 917s at Pebble Beach. So if it's on your bucket list and you're a Porsche fan, this is the year. Not just for the 917s, though. Also remember, it's the 70th anniversary of the Pebble Beach Concours. So they're going to be doing um, previous Best of Show winning cars. Yeah. And they're trying to gather a large, significant group of cars that were previous Best of Show winners. That alone will be staggering. Pebble um, does
1: great collect. I mean, when they did the, the GTOs, when they did, the, like you said, yeah. the GT40s, um, it's incredible yeah. to yeah. watch and the, see. And, yeah.
2: and, and nowhere else in the world are you going to see this, probably. Uh, oh, I'll
0: we we will
1: be there. Believe me. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, I know you yeah, guys. No, we'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> but I want yeah. other people to yeah. to know about it. And the other a couple other things real quick this year: Pininfarina's ninetieth. Mm-hmm. That because if you you guys saw what they did with Zagato last year, you can imagine what it'll be like with Pininfarina this year um and then um, lots
1: of those Cadillacs that Pen and Frina did just oh, yeah. all over the lawn yeah. <laughs> that'll be cool yeah exactly
2: um and there's a couple other really good classes so I would encourage people to you know check out the check out Pebble Beach this year and if it's been on your bucket list for a long time and you just haven't done it um you know this might be the year yeah, it it's probably will be the year um I would pro tip for everybody if you're gonna do Pebble Beach
0: this year don't Patrol you want to get there as soon as humanly possible before the sun comes up, yeah, and to really enjoy the show because it it is packed. And I yeah. want to throw yeah.
1: something in here, something that's kind of changing Monterey Car Week. It's it's something simple. Alaska is now doing a flight from here to the Monterey Airport, okay, no once a day, but you that. can actually fly from here directly to Monterey now. So it's kind of that's going to change things a little bit. Yeah,
0: and we've we've mentioned this. I think last year, after we got back from Pebble Beach, we said this. If you haven't booked your hotel now, you yeah. probably aren't going to book one. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, start asking around in your car groups who has one and who has room for you. Because, uh, I mean, you're going to stay at the.
1: There's a lot of prestigious people in, in Monterey that sleep on people's floors. You would not believe the amount of people. That yeah, sleep there's on the floors. plenty of
2: billionaires <laughs> yeah. sh- sharing out. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. And I made a late decision last year to go because you know when they when they asked me to become involved in this, I thought well. I better not wait until 2020 and have that be my first time. I'd been to Car Week before, but I'd never been to Pebble Beach. Yeah. And I said, "Well, I better get myself there and show my face and ha- not have it be my first time." Yeah, I totally 2020. been here before. Yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, first of all, I want to say it was magnificent. It's there's no question. It's the best car show in the world. The organization is impeccable, as you guys know. Yeah. But I did do Airbnb. Yeah. Which is, you know, worked out okay, and I, it was kind of a late decision. You know, I was probably maybe eight weeks before the event. I got a pretty decent Airbnb, so I'll just throw that out there as an option for yeah. the people who haven't already got their hotel room.
0: But start looking now. If you've interested in going, start looking now. Absolutely should be doing Ask that. Ask around. And, and I know Adam yeah. uh, with Avance has already started doing that. Uh, in the Avance group, he's asking who, who's going and trying to work that out with members. Yeah, uh, which is... That's a, a wonderful transition, Dan. Did to you start like talking that one? about. Yeah, it was really well. <laughs> I planned that <laughs> pretty job, well. Good job, Dan. Good segue. Yeah, good segue. <laughs> <laughs> so Avant's coming up. Uh, we talked about this before. February 1st is a private collection tour for the, dir- the rally car collection at Dirtfish, <laughs> and there are some epic rally cars up there. This will be the only way you get to see those cars outside of a Dirtfish event, and even then you won't see all the ones you would see on a private collection tour. Um, this is open for charter members of Avant, so it's not just open to everybody, but 100% worth it. If you want to be engaged in the car community, join Avant's. I had, a, like I said, I had a friend join and get the Griot's Garage Car Care Kit, and he was like, well, that was worth it alone, <laughs> let alone the discounts you get from the other services you can go to. But stuff yeah. like this, the stuff that you do not have access to as somebody in the public, this is why you join in a group like an Avance is to see some of the coolest history in the automotive world and uh, everything from the Group B rally stuff, Colin McRae's rally cars, Fo- Ford RS's, I mean, not Focus RS's, this is RS RS, RS, RS 200s? Yeah. Two th- is it
1: 2,000? ours 200 200 okay 200,
0: yeah yeah Yep. Yeah. Yeah. um but yeah that's the next big one coming up and then uh the one after that is the eighth and that's the open to all tech session about rc cars which yep. is a ton of fun because <laughs> why not yeah
1: because why not well uh jay we really appreciate you coming in like this has been incredible like i said we've seen your book and I mean, I really i am starting to realize the more I look into it that I have seen it more times than I thought. I think. Uh, well, I appreciate you guys yeah.
2: having me, and uh, we've got—we we've still got plenty of copies of the book left, and so I would invite oh, people. Where to, can people find it? Yeah, if they wanna, people yeah. can find it at my publisher's website. It's DaltonWatson.com. Okay, Dalton Watson Fine Books, and uh, of course, for people in the Seattle area, if you get the book, you know, bring it out to uh, Exotics or yeah. bring it out to another. Car event, and if you spot me, I'll be happy to sign it for you.
1: And if he doesn't, just hit him with the book. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sign it. Yeah, sign it. It's cool. heavy. No, it is heavy. It's, it's heavy,
2: nice, but yeah. you can hold it in your lap and yeah, absolutely. read it. And
0: I, I, I've been doing it. So it yeah. is the 917 Bible. <laughs> yeah, it really is. As close <laughs> well, as there is to it, anyway.
2: Certainly for the golf cars, um, there is another book that was written about ten years ago that um, uh, was written by Walter Nayer, who was a Porsche employee, had full access to the archives. And that book is called 917 Archive. It's a very different kind of book to mine. It's not a story book. It's yeah. more of a reference book. Um, but it's, it's, it's close as we have currently to a Bible. Um, and I used it a lot, obviously, in the research for my book. My book, I went down the middle between reference and story.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, that's the thing, is it is readable. Uh, yeah. There's I a want big a th- difference there. This I is a readable book. It's got great if stories. If you can read, it's
2: totally readable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there there is some narrative there.
0: Well, I, I, what I mean to say is you don't just go in it to look for a reference and then and then leave, like some books. This is yeah. a book that has it's filled with great stories. Yeah. We'll have a link to it on our podcast, of course, as usual. We'll have a link to your music, and peop, all of our listeners can go check oh, that thanks. out. Check out the book. Um, you can find... Jay at Exotics or any Porsche Club event usually? Uh, Not any, but a lot of of them. them I'm there
2: at a lot of them, and and we're going to have two big Porsche Club events, which I think you guys know about this year. We have Brian Redman coming at the end of March for one of our once-in-a-lifetime presentations. And then at the end of October, Hurley Haywood is coming, which should be fun. Um, I've known Brian a long time. I've only met Hurley briefly, so I'm really looking forward to – uh, both of those events, but especially Hurley Haywood uh, in October, and those events are open to non-Porsche Club members. So we should uh, mention that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We will be talking about that extensively. Yeah, I, and I want to say this—it's it's a little plug. If you—I
1: mean, this will come out on Friday, but it's already out. If—and I put it up on our on our page. If you have not seen the Super Bowl commercial that Porsche has put together for this year, <laughs> it's great. It's hilarious there's some there's some easter eggs in it too a lot of really a porsche person there's
2: but go watch it it's great one of my cars is in it uh that's my easter egg (laughs) i know (laughs) that's my point that's what (laughs) the (laughs) reference was chapter 15 yeah yeah so (laughs) it's a great
1: great thing so um jay thanks again for coming in uh for rain city supercars i'm nick i'm dan and don't just get there enjoy the drive